Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. to another exciting episode of SFP now. We have um, a swinging show for you today. Um, and, you know, I mean swinging um, because we have uh, we have writer Andrew Briggs as our guest and um, he, he, he's on to talk about um, his new series of uh, Tarzan novels, uh, which he, he's basically updated the character of Tarzan for the 21st century and um, he's, he's got three novels out thus far and there's another one to you out. Um, I, I should imagine pretty soon it's uh, improving quite a successful series for him. And um, and and I go admit this is actually an interview that we ran on Blog Talk Radio a few few months back. Uh, but I figured it'd be kind of cool to run it again here in case any of you guys missed it because it's um, it's it's a fun interview. And you know I, I just think um, I think Andrew Briggs deserves a, deserves a little bit of credit for what he's doing with the character of Tarzan because from you know from all things I've heard about it, it's actually um, a great new series. So without further ado, here's the interview. Well, I'd like to uh, welcome um, a writer this, to this week's show in the form of uh, Andy Briggs, who's uh, been doing a lot of exciting work with uh, with, with updating um, a very popular franchise in, in the form of Tarzan. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing great, Ian. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to be talking to you today. That's great, great speaking to you. I mean, it's like, um, you know, it, it's really good when, when I can actually get a British writer on here every now and again. So Good. Keep keep the balance. I like this. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to try and do. Keep the balance between the Americans and the Brits and... Um, you know, we even had an Irish writer on, oh, you know, over Christmas, so that was fun. Ah, good, good. Um, you know, I think the first question I like to ask, and this is one I ask everyone, you know, no, no matter what, what they do, whether they're, they're writers, actors, or whatever. Uh, but when was it that you actually decided you wanted to be a writer? What, what was it that sort of made you want to uh, pursue that as a career? That's one of those intriguing questions because uh, when I was a kid, I, I loved comics. It was comic books, all Stanley Marvel comics that really got me into reading. 
And um, I just also had a love of cinema uh, because my, my dad used to take me and my brother all the time to the cinema. And I, I guess somewhere along, uh, along that path quite early on, when I was still uh, you know, maybe, maybe less than nine years old, I kind of started to figure out I'd like to be in the entertainment business creating stories in some form or another. Not quite sure if I wanted to be a writer. And um, that kind of developed through high school um, when probably when I, just as I left high school and went into college, I thought, yeah, you know, this, this is something I really want to try and do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, was, what, was the, uh, what was the first uh, big break for you, would you say? Um, the first big break uh, was um, storylining, actually, for the uh, for the Highlander TV show, um, straight out of college. Uh, what had happened is um, uh, my uh, my brother, who's also a writer, he's, he's older than I am, uh, seven years older, um, and he uh, he got uh, an agent. He got lots of work kind of headed in his way, and we were throwing it around together to um, to see what we could make work. And uh, Highlander was the first um, first job that we worked on together. It was my my first job straight out of college, really. Damn, that's impressive. I mean, it was good fun. It was storylining, so we were just kind of creating the stories, laying down the treatments, and then you know other writers would go off and uh, and do the screenplays. But it was it was terrific fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to love that series when when it was on. Yeah, um, until I made the movies. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we, we were we were on this um, when it was still Connor McLeod in the series. They still trying to make it work for that so we, we were bef- before the Duncan days but our, a lot of our stories got used which writers would you say have had the most influence on you um the most influential writers I don't I mean I I, I that's a great question <laughs> that's a terrific question he says stalling for time um well one of my favorite books that I loved I, I just I can't even emulate this this style or tone um, was Douglas Adams uh, with his Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, um, trilogy. And that, in, in a way of storytelling, had a huge effect on me. And um, I was lucky enough that, you know, my, my brother was a writer, so I kind of learned from him as well. And that had quite a big influence on what I wanted to do. Um, and I suppose this is kind of the, the old cliche. I mean, I loved all the pulp fiction kind of stories, like, uh, you know, which was where Tarzan came from, from, from those pulp stories. And I read Burroughs. I read everything I could on Burroughs. I love Conan Doyle. I, I was particularly more drawn towards Conan Doyle's um, The Lost World than any of the Sherlock books. But they they kind of all had an influence, not necessarily on style, but certainly on, on content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a nice segue you mentioned the pulps because last year you, were, you started writing a series of Tarzan novels. Yeah. Uh, which have proved rather successful. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how these books came about and how much work you, you've actually had to put in to make the character sort of well, more well, relevant for today? Yeah, I mean, uh, Tarzan is, is one of my childhood heroes in one of those kind of uh, geeky, cliche kind of fashions. But he was on television when I was in school all the time, and it was a, you know, it was a great excuse to sit in front of the TV and explore Africa in ways that I couldn't physically do. I loved the character, I loved the stories, I loved the kind of uh, action-adventure that pulsed through all those tales, both the books, the films, the TV shows. 
And so it was something that I just I just grew up with and I really liked. And I thought it was a real shame that um, that we haven't had a Tarzan anything. We haven't had a movie or anything since the Disney movie in 1999, apart from the direct-to-DVD Tarzan 2. And I just wanted, I thought there was a whole generation of people growing up without their version of Tarzan. You've had yours. We've all had our own generation of Tarzan except this new generation and I just completed um, a series of uh, eight superhero books um, called Villain.net and Hero.com which is a whole interactive um, uh, story and um, I've been talking to a lot of uh, younger readers I thought, you know, Tarzan kind of steps over those boundaries between a young reader and an old reader. I mean, I wanted to write a Tarzan that would appeal to nine-year-olds and 90-year-olds. So I approached the Edgar Rice Burroughs estate, and um, I asked them, you know, can I do this? Can, can, I, can I use Tarzan? He's, he's a trademarked character. He's in copyright all around the world apart from um, um, North America because of a quirk in the copyright laws. Um, but he's still a trademark. You can't just run away and do what you want with Tarzan. And um, I sent them some of the movies I'd written, some of the books I'd written, and then I got an email back inviting me to Tarzana in California, which was kind of cool. <laughs> so um, I went over there. I sat with the president of uh, the Griceboro's estate, and I kind of laid out what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a reboot, and you seldom get this in literature. You get it in the movies all the time. We've got our rebooted Superman coming out soon. We've had Batman. But in, in books, you don't really reboot characters. And I made it very clear, I don't want to write a young Tarzan book. I don't want to write um, uh, the the Burroughs Tarzan. I want to write something that's completely new and fresh and set now, but it incorporates all the ethos and mythos of Edgar Rice Burroughs, and it incorporates all the values of all the movies we've liked, all the 89 movies that have been out in the cinema. It incorporates all of that. And so I laid it out how I think it should be done, and uh, to my huge surprise, they, they allowed me to do it. They, they gave me Tarzan, they gave me a free reign to reboot and relaunch the character, and um, I, I mean, I've taken great pains, and there's still some fans out there uh, who keep on thinking, oh, this is a rework of Burroughs, and it's, it's not it's i want everybody to go back and read burroughs original books but these are a new step forward for a whole new generation of readers and a whole a whole new way of doing tarzan so it'd probably be a good place for me to start because i've never actually read any tarzan books right um you know because you know i'm dyslexic so reading a book for for a start is a bit of a challenge Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I think, I think, um, I, I mean, I, I even though I wrote these Tarzan books, I mean, I would still thoroughly recommend you read the original. I mean, I'd, I'd recommend you read the original and then read mine, and and you'll see how very different they are. But what what is true to them is the spirit. They're totally different storylines as well. The characters have been updated, and in updating characters, you've had to uh, they've had to evolve and change. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a question that I've always had really is: I mean, the only Tarzan I've ever really known is the ones that I've grown up with uh, watching. I mean, I grew up in the seventies and eighties, probably much like yourself. Yeah. And uh, I remember usually about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, uh, you'd have Ronnie Ingai on running through the jungle as Tarzan, or, or he'd be on the Saturday morning during the holidays. But I remember, I remember a, um, a time in the eighties uh, when BBC Two had did a, did a whole season of Tarzan movies, and they went through pretty much most of the incarnations, starting with Johnny Weisminger, yeah, and and stuff like that. And one thing I've always been curious about is um, how close or how far removed 
um, have these movies, you know, been from the actual books? Um, oh, very. Uh, the, there is um, the, maybe the very first uh, Tarzan movie was remotely the closest adaptation to the book, and Edgar Rice Burroughs was a producer on that. But um, everything we know as an audience uh, about Tarzan is is not the same as the books. Um, the most recent, or one of the most recent in the 80s, the, the Greystoke movie, the, the first half of that movie is reasonably, reasonably accurate to the book, um, or it follows the same spirit. And then the second half of the movie just goes off the rails into new territory. So we've never really seen an accurate um, portrayal of Tarzan from the book, from that actual story, Tarzan of the Apes. Um, but what we've seen are various interpretations of what Tarzan can become. Mm-hmm. So that's Tarzan series I remember was probably uh, probably the early two thousands where um, someone had the bright idea of just um, you know making Tarzan's New York adventure into an entire series, <laughs> and it, you know and Jane was a cop and it you know, just didn't really quite take off for me. Yeah, I couldn't really comment too much on that. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, even Burroughs, even Edgar Rice Burroughs, when he wrote the books. Most people don't realize at the end of the very first original Tarzan book, at the end of it, Tarzan is driving a car through the forest of Baltimore, saving Jane from a forest fire. And you think, you know, this is not the Tarzan I remember on the big screen. And then the second Tarzan book, The Return of Tarzan, um, you know, he's still, he was in Africa as well as London, but he, he never really, he, he went in the jungle, but it wasn't really a jungle-centric story. I, it took uh, Burroughs about three books of The Beast of Tarzan before he put Tarzan back in the jungle and realised that's where the fans want him to be. So even Burroughs himself, I think, got a little bit um, derailed with the character. Mm-hmm. I think they, um, I think they also. I mean, I've actually heard because I was speaking to somebody else a while back about various pulp stories and stuff like that, and they actually heard that uh, Burroughs did actually, um, you know, eventually have Tarzan, you know, tipping into tripping into the supernatural and um, and and even song like uh, kind of aliens living amongst us in the jungle or going into other dimensions in in novels. I'm not sure if that's. Is it, He's, he's discovered lost Roman colonies out in the Congo. Um, and they did a tie-in, uh, or Tarzan did a tie-in with uh, Pellucidar, which is the, uh, the, the the kingdom beneath the world that Burroughs created, uh, with like the Peter Cushion film, um, Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Uh, not Journey to the Centre of the Earth, the other one. <laughs> which um, The name always escapes me. I always get conv- confused with the Jules Verne book. Um, so he did these crossovers, um, so yeah, it did verge on on into the science fiction realms and, and a little bit of uh, a little bit of that. But Tarzan, I think, has always remained pretty true to himself in in what he is and this kind of uh, English nobleman who's really a feral force of nature. Mm-hmm. Well, today, you know, your Tarzan stories they've all, they've all taken the form of novels, and and I actually know that you've done quite a bit of comic book work in the past. Yeah. Um, is there any chance we we will ever get to see your Tarzan stories adapted into a graphic novel format? Uh, perhaps it's something we spoke about in the early days. Um, I don't think I'd do it myself. I'd love to see somebody else's take uh, on on an adaptation of that. Um, so I'm open for it, but I, I don't think it's something I'd like to do. I, th- I I got so engrossed in in the books that I I would be disappointed. 
uh, to sort of see it, if I was involved, uh, pushed into a different direction. I'd like to see where it leads to with other writers, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, are you actually aware of, um, of of the work that Arvid Nelson's been doing at uh, Dynamite? He's, he's been doing a comic book run called Lord of the Jungle. Yeah, yeah, the Lord of the Jungle stuff. It looks, it looks great. We're, we're Facebook buddies, whether or not he realizes this. But yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen the, the work is terrific. Yeah, I've interviewed David about those um, because I'm one of his, um, I'm one of his readers of that of that comic, and I've been yeah. on board since the beginning. It's really good. It, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, it, it, it's great because you can have so many different interpretations of Tarzan, and that's that's why I like the term reboot. Um, and I'd say again with with the comic, it's it's a little bit of a reboot uh, rather than any faithful adaptation. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's funny because one one things that Arvid um, actually said in the interview and was talking to him is that um, you know had he taken pretty much everything from the novels, he, he'd, he'd probably be roasted over hot coals for racism and and <laughs> God knows what because. You know, obviously the novels would have been written, you know, back back in the day. But was it nineteen twenties, thirties, or was it earlier? Nineteen twelve, the first uh, first novel. He was a hundred years old last year. And know? and you are right, they're, they're they're deeply racist, but it it's a it's a product of its time. It wasn't Burroughs being uh, as we would call a racist. It was he was just following culture at the time, which is it's not right, and we know it's not right. But that's the way. Uh, he wrote those books. And again, that's a challenge in, in, in any of us who are relaunching Tarzan is how do you just avoid all that all that craziness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I remember reading, read, read, you know, talking about that with him and uh, read, reading his book, read, reading his take, and, you know, I think, he, I think he did a pretty good job of it, you know, so, like, it's, it's a good story. And I'm hoping to read one of yours soon, so... so. Yeah. Um, well, one of the other one of the other interesting things you mentioned about the the, the racism elements there is the um, the fact in 1912 you know w- women were not kind of where they are now so there's a certain perceived uh, sexism in the books as well which isn't the case I mean actually Jane although in the first book she is quite a passive character always being saved by Tarzan which is something I wanted to change which I, I changed in my books but by la- in the later books for example the return of Tarzan um, Burroughs actually steered away from those cliches and made Jane quite a uh, quite a proactive action hero mm-hmm. uh, which was an interesting move yeah I mean you know it, it, it's 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 uh, it's it's kind of funny um, how you see you see Jane you know in in the movie incarnation she, she's always so like uh, she's always kind of like being portrayed as kind of like the middle woman sort of thing in the movies another project you did you know about 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 comics um, I noticed that you were the writer on the um, on the King Kong book uh, King of Skull Island which is available from Marcosia um, how did that come about and how much of it was tied into the to the King Kong movie a few years back um, it was um, I, I was brought in at the towards the end of that to, to finish off issues and then do a little bit of a rewrite on it because the original writer uh, went AWOL essentially <laughs> and and um, I, know, I know Joe DeVita, who's the, the writer of uh, Kong King Skull Island, the, the, the original book, which is a terrific, terrific book. His artwork is beautiful. It's just a, a wonderful thing to behold. And he wrote that uh, to tie in with the Peter Jackson movie. And the story is set before and after the Kong story as we know it. And so it was a kind of fortuitous for me that I was in the right time at the right place and then they came to me and, and I know Joe and I love the project. And um, I got to work on that. And uh, um, yeah, it, it, it was terrific fun. And that led to a few other things. Uh, Miriam C. Cooper uh, wrote 
um, something else called War Eagles, which was a unofficial uh, sequel to Kong. Um, and he, he wanted it to be his next movie, and then that pesky World War II broke out, and he couldn't do it. But um, with Joe and a few other guys, we worked with um, Miriam C. Cooper's family, the Cooper estate, uh, to try and resurrect that film, which sadly didn't happen. That's a, that's a shame. But yeah, the the, the um, it was a terrific thing to do. The uh, the graphic of a lot of fun. I'd love to. Uh, that's another character I'd love to kind of run with and see where else he can go. But I think Joe DeVita did uh, such a great job already. Yeah, I keep, yeah. Being, I'm, I'm, I keep being tempted to pick that one up myself. The uh, the graphic novel. Yeah, exactly. It's good fun. I recommend it. Um, you, you you also um, last year I, I noticed this on IMDb because I did a bit of a search, you know, because I read that you've written movies as well as um, as well as comics and stuff. And I, yeah. I know I noticed that you did a did a movie um, called the Philadelphia Experiment. And just wondering, is that is that kind of like a, a TV remake of the eighties movie with Michael Pear? Not quite. What um, it's um, it's one of those fun, goofy sci-fi channel movies, and what they wanted to do was a kind of contemporary, not so much sequel, but what would happen after that event, after, let's ignore the movie, let's just focus on the event. And Michael Parry, funnily enough, he's, he's in that movie as well, he's in my movie. Um, and it was good fun to do, but the problem uh, with the Sci-Fi Channel uh, stuff is it's terrific fun, and they want to do a million great things. And the problem is... Uh, the production companies have really got a reel in the budget. So what you put down on paper, what everyone loves, tends never to go on the screen, unfortunately. Um, but again, that's, I mean, I love all that kind of, um, you know, not only pseudoscience, but fringe theory, or, or even just those those legends and myths, or did they really happen, all the conspiracy stuff. And that was a pleasure to work on, because I love the original uh, Philadelphia Experiment movie, and I love that whole story about the USS Eldritch. I think it's a, it's a fascinating tale. So, uh, did you ever see the sequel to the made yeah, a few years ago? Yeah, yeah, I did. I never caught the sequel, I, but I did see that. But so this is kind of, um, you know, what would happen now um, if the Eldritch really did happen back during the war? So it doesn't. It's not really a sequel. It's kind of just more of a "it's going to come back" story. Um, yeah, it's 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 silly fun, is what it is. I noticed you also have um, you've got a film that's in post right now. Uh, it's titled uh, "Legendary Tomb of a Dragon." Uh, what, can, what can you tell us about that project? Um, that's um, that, that, that's one of my pet projects, which I was lucky enough. I, I wrote it, and also I also exec produced it. And um, I've I've had a love, as I've just said, with all these kind of mysterious things. I love cryptozoology, which is kind of a nice branch into Tarzan as well. And um, I wanted to <clears throat> write just a story about cryptozoologists who go out and they actually prove these things are real. <clears throat> so I wrote this story. And um, I just had fun with it. And it's about a disgraced cryptozoologist um, who gets called in when a dam construction project starts to go wrong because various workers start to go missing or, or uh, turn up uh, terribly torn apart. And um, they realize the lake that they're, 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 um, they're intruding upon uh, is home to this ancient, um, ancient legendary creature. And um, it's just, it's, it's a kind of movie uh, done in the style, like my books, I guess, uh, done in the style of an action-adventure story. It's more of a family 
oriented. So more of a Raiders, Indiana Jones kind of, uh, you know, mummy kind of feel. Um, but it's a contemporary story. It's about cryptozoology and it's got lots of action. So um, I was actually really pleased that we, we got Dolph Lundgren in. Uh, to play Harker, who's essentially our uh, antagonist through this uh, through this um, movie, and um, Harker's such a great character because <clears throat> at first I thought, well, Dolph Lundgren really can't kind of play this guy. He's, this guy's supposed to be a scientist. He's and then of course, you know, I met Dolph, and, and Dolph is is a Caltech scientist. You know, yes. the, the guy's a genius, and um, it, it gives him a different string to his bow for this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny that with Dolph Lundgren because not many people, not many people. People knew knew that about him. It yeah. was sort of like, I think I think it was sort of like it was actually quite widely publicised in the nineties that he was actually a genius and you know he, nice. he was pretty much a doctor. Very uh, nice guy, very very clever guy, and and uh, I, 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 I he's he's just great fun in the movie. And we were lucky enough as well. We uh, it's a a British Chinese co production, and we we got um, a real decent budget back, uh, backing us up and. You know, we went out, we shot this thing um, in Beijing. We shot it in 3D from the ground up um, rather than do it in post. And it was ju- it was a terrific experience. And the director, Eric Styles, he's just done a fabulous job. I mean, he's, uh, you know, you can point a camera in China and it looks nice. But I think uh, what Eric's done is is very cool. Yeah, it sounds like, a, sounds like a pretty cool movie. I mean... I- I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that goes. It'll be out later in the year. We don't we don't have a date just yet, um, but it's 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 out in the ether now. And I've noticed that you, you you've also got a, a new comic book project uh, due out uh, through Marcosia called Dino Corps. Dino, yeah, Dino Corps is actually it's actually out, um, and that was <clears throat> that was in a, a kind of knee jerk gut response. I, um, I was in Comic Con a couple of uh, I think it was two years ago when I was uh, when this was announced. And Marvel and DC kind of did an announcement which boiled down to we're not going to write comics for kids. We're you know we're going to write them for the existing audience. I was kind of horrified by that. I mean, I love, you know, the Spider- Spider-Man comics and Daredevil I read avidly, but you know what? There's still got to be something that appeals to kids, otherwise comics are going to be a dying market. And a lot of comic companies kind of don't see that. I mean, I, I was brought up on Judge Dredd, and I love Judge Dredd, but if I read Judge Dredd now, it's aged with me. And, you know, you won't get kids who reading it when I was reading it at that age. So I wanted to do something that would appeal to all ages. So Dino Core is one of those um, kind of big ideas. Uh, it's kind of a, a Transformers with dinosaurs, if you like. It's about dinosaurs who were wiped out in the mass extinction event coming back because there's another mass extinction event about to start. And it's um, it, again, it's an all-ages comic. I wanted it to appeal to to like you, to appeal to me, to be, appeal to older readers, and also a whole new generation of readers, bringing them into the comic book world because they're, they're pretty put off at the moment reading comics. Yeah, I mean, I I, yeah. um, I get a monthly stash of comics, and uh, I'll, tell, I'll tell you now that only two of the titles I read are DC. The rest are Dynamite and... Um, yeah. And image and um, and boom comics. I mean, you know, um, but um, like you um, in the in the seventies uh, and eighties, I I never really read Judge Dredd. That was more my brother's domain. Um, and by the time I got into comics, I was sort of like, um, you know, there was there was other stuff available. But one thing that I remember being constant is, do you remember the looking? 
Remember what, sorry? The Looking. No. The Junior TV Times. No, I don't. Oh, Looking. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Wow. That's a blast from the past, Ian. I used to to be an avid reader of that, you know, and uh, I used to enjoy the comic strips in that growing up. Yeah. Wow, I've, I haven't heard that name for a long while. <laughs> and and I think I think before that you had Century Twenty One, but that's a bit before my time. But I do have a, I, I do have one of their annuals. I have the uh, nineteen seventy one annual of Century Twenty One. Fantastic. <laughs> so, but you know that, that that was my that was kind of like my little gateway into comics and. Um, and obviously, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have much money, so it was only really when there was a film come out, I'd get the tie-in comic to it. Like, for yeah. example, when Clash of the Titans came out the first time, you know, the Harry Hamlin one, I got the, uh, I got the, you know, the graphic novel of that. Terrific. And that, that was the first, that was the first full book that I actually read. It was a comic book, obviously, but it was the first book I read cover to cover. <laughs> I, I, I've still got a huge fondness for that entire movie. Anything with Ray Harryhausen, yeah, attached. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got all, all those movies. I, I just love the stuff that he did. Um, a final question, uh, really, is um, you know, relating back to Tarzan. Um, as a TV writer and producer, can you ever see Tarzan being brought back to a TV series or a movie series? And how do you think? How do you think you'd have to go about it in order to keep it relevant for today's viewers? You know. Would would you maybe have to reboot the character like you've done in your books, perhaps? Yeah, um, yes, yes and yes. Um, in fact, this October there's a Tarzan movie hit in the cinemas. Um, it's going to be the first one since 1999. It's, uh, it's an animated Tarzan movie. Um, it's uh, done by Constantine Animation, who are a German company. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's going to be out in the UK and, and most of the world, I think, in October. Um, and that's a contemporary Tarzan, very much like my books. In fact, if you go and, and, and look at the trailer and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, a lot of it is essentially my book. Um, but they've, they've uh, had their, their own uh, thoughts on how Greystoke um, and by Greystoke, I don't mean Tarzan Lord Greystoke, but the rest of his family back in Britain, how they behave. They have a slightly different idea about how that should uh, should be. But it's, um, it looks interesting. It's a movie that's um, it's all done using motion capture and uh, voiced by Kellen Lutz, um, who was uh, one of the guys at the Twilight franchise. Mm-hmm. And also, this, um, they were aiming to do a live-action Tarzan movie, um, that was going to um, be Warner Brothers' big tentpole movie, uh, possibly for next year. And they just can't get the budget down at the moment. But Warner's certainly have got the, the movie rights for Tarzan, and they want to see it on the big screen at some point. But you know, it's, it's suffering the same fate Lone Ranger went through, where they had to um, put a hiatus on, on the, uh, the production until they can get the budget down. I mean, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to see a new Tarzan movie or series myself. I mean, the last series I remember, you know, from that, uh, you know that horrible New York one, uh, was one that they did in the uh, late eighties, early nineties with Joe Lara, and that that was kind of cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at the time, I remember quite enjoying it, you know, because of that. You know, it was just so sort of like um, it was it was pretty much of its time, to be honest. Yeah. But you yeah. know, it's um, it, it's a character I've always enjoyed in whatever incarnation, and uh, you know, it's um, you know, I, I've always uh, I've always enjoyed Tarzan. Yeah, uh, he's one of those characters that actually has changed very little through time, because I think we've all got our inner Tarzan. It's it's a character that resonates with us all, which is why I think he's lasted so long. And it's interesting when when uh, anybody reboots Tarzan, but certainly when I did it for the books, um, it was 
the 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 periphery characters uh, who change the most, and in particular, not that she's periphery, she's very main, but Jane uh, changed a remarkable amount as well. So, but Tarzan remained almost a constant, even in, even in my uh, my new books. I mean, you know, we've got so you know we've got so many sort of like strong women now in in this um, in in contemporary fiction now. I mean, we've got you know Lara Croft from the Tomb Raid games, yeah, and stuff like that. You know, wouldn't it be fun to sort of like cross over Lara Croft. She's on a on a on a on a on, on a on a dig or something, and uh, you know, her and Tarzan happen to meet. Uh, Ian, I think you may have a franchise up your sleeve, though. Mm, I doubt it. I can't write to save my <laughs> life. But... <laughs> uh, again, an interesting idea. And what what I did with my, my character Jane is uh, not quite like that, but I, I made as as the series progresses, so does Jane. Um, by the last book that was out, the third Tarzan book, The Savage Lands, Jane is a pretty uh, formidable kind of uh, uh, co-character, not not sidekick. I mean, you know, she's Tarzan's. She can't meet uh, beat Tarzan in brawn, but she can certainly uh, match and out, outweigh him in intelligence. So they actually, the whole idea I think between Tarzan and Jane is having two characters who complement each other really well, rather than you know one is just weak and one is just strong. Mm-hmm. Have you brought Boy into the series yet? Uh, no, um, I, um, I, I, I I hesitate with that one. Uh, and his name, I mean, he was called Boy in, in the movies. His name in the book was Jack. Um, so I, I, I haven't now. I've kept the, the one remarkable thing is if you read the original Tarzan book, the one thing that um, <clears throat> most people overlook is if you look at the characters, Burroughs never dates them with an age. And if you look at it, Tarzan is, is about 18 or 19 years old. I mean, Jane, of maritable age in 1912, was probably about 16. And most people don't realize that Burroughs did write this teen story. And that's where it was. And we've watched the movies and the characters have aged because our actors have aged. We've seen adults play these characters. But essentially, Burroughs created what is a teen story in the first book. And then in the later books, when they marry, when they etc., then... You yeah, they're still in the, the kind of younger to mid-twenties. Uh, so you've got about another ten years before you introduce Boy. <laughs> yeah, I can wait. I mean, I just <laughs> in the last book, I just introduced one of my favourite characters, who's Queen La, uh, who's the uh, the queen of, of Opar. Um, but again, I, I wanted to reboot that whole mythos that Burroughs created in the book, so it's very different from his version. Um, but I just wanted to have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, for the benefit of those that have not actually uh, read any of your series yet, what, what what's the first book that you did on, on Tarzan? What was what's the book title? Uh, the first book is Tarzan: um, The Greystoke Legacy, um, and then that's followed by Tarzan: The Jungle Warrior, and then the final one at the moment is Tarzan: The Savage Lands. Mm-hmm. And I'd just also like to add the. Uh, one of the great fun things about writing these books, apart from the fact I got to play with Tarzan, is the fact um, I, the, the the apes have always made Tarzan famous. And what we've done with the books, we've tried to bring you know sci-fi and literature and fun and action adventure together to do something genuinely good. So for every book we sell, we're actually donating money towards an ape charity. There's a little logo at the back of the book and it tells you about it. And um, so Tarzan is now genuinely saving endangered gorillas in Africa, oh, which funny. I just I think is pretty awesome. And so much so that they uh, they took me into the Congo jungle in January, and we shot a series of video blogs that will slowly be coming out throughout the year. 
Um, and if you go onto my website, andybriggs.co.uk, you can um, you can see the trailer on there where I'm in the middle of the Congo jungle and we're trekking, finding gorillas and tracing Tarzan's footsteps for real. Oh, that's brilliant. That's- um, are, you, are, the, are these books um, also available on Kindle? Yeah, the books are available uh, all bookstores, Amazon, Kindle, any online retailer. Uh, for the Nook, you can go on iTunes. They're they're everywhere. Okay, well, it's been great having you on. I'd love to have you on again at some time. Some point, you know, maybe when the uh, maybe when the film comes out. Absolutely, Ian. Just let me know, and I'll, I'll be on. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Best of luck with the books and and the film coming out. All right, thanks, Ian, and uh, keep in touch. We'll do. Thank you. Hi there, this is Robert Leeshock from Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict, better known as Liam Kincaid, and you are listening to SFP Now. The fate of humanity now relies on those who dare challenge the future of Earth. And that about wraps things up for this week. Um, um, hope to be back at you next week, and um, we'll have more 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 interviews and uh, more more comments on um on on on, on science fiction and fantasy um for you to to um you know get your teeth into next week so bye for now we offered the world order <laughs>